Welcome to the Anime Show with Joey and Aki. I'm your host, Joey. And I'm your co-host, Aki. And in this episode, discussing the history and future of anime. When did psychological horror and violence in anime supposedly disappear? And how did anime make it outside of Japan? Get the podcast now on Wooshka, SoundCloud, or by downloading the free SBS Pop Asia app. Stick around to the end of the podcast where we'll give you guys a chance to win a weekend double pass to Melbourne Oz Comic Con set to blast off from July the 1st to July the 2nd. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Anime Show with Joey and Eki. Hi. <laughs> it's been a I'm, while since we've gone back to like this like setup. Yeah, it? I'm back in the US now, but uh I was waiting for you to continue on with your sentence because I thought you were gonna be like, Welcome back to another episode of SBS Pop Asia. I am your host, Joey, and I'm and well, I'm no, the anime well, man and also subscribe well, to the anime man slash well no, anime well, man. No, well no everyone's already anime man slash anime man yeah that's my url <laughs> <laughs> no i was waiting because well, like everyone's already heard the intro so i'm just like let's just go straight into it and i'm like well I, I was just saying you know welcome back and then i usually hand it over to you to say something like hey welcome back or something i don't know just hey, add man, some kind of how- like smarky remark how would you feel if your favorite anime didn't do the classic opening You'd be concerned. That, or it means a lot of serious stuff is about yeah, yeah. to go down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we usually, when they skip an opening, it means that some stuff is about to go down. Yep. And it's just like, oh, snaps on, like, mm. something serious is about. Anyway, uh, welcome back, as always. Uh, Aki is back in the US, so, uh, yeah. we're back to this regular format. She's no longer next to me anymore, so, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty nice right now. Um. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I don't know, man. It's like, no, it's pretty, it's pretty nice right now. It's pretty, um, it's pretty nice without her next to me. <laughs> uh, Aki went back about two weeks ago, I think, at this point? A week and a half ago? I don't know. Like, time's so- gone by, and now you're coming here. Yeah, like, I'm gonna be back week. in the US in, like, yeah, another two weeks, and then we're gonna be, like, everywhere like we're gonna be on the road so the next like i I think we already said this in the last episode but like the next like four or five episodes uh is gonna be all on the road we might have some special guests who knows yeah but uh yeah but uh let's get right into it i think aki you brought on a topic that you wanted to discuss today I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting. I just did a video on this recently. Uh, if you guys want to check that out on my channel. Uh, Shameless self-promotion. Well, you know, it, it, it's... Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> the title is... <laughs> the title of that video is uh, What the Heck Was Up With Older Anime. Um, hmm. And it was with my good friend, Bennett the Sage, another anime YouTuber. Shout out and- to Bennett! Yeah, and I am really proud of that video. I Mm. was really, really happy with how it turned out. Not only did I have finally a really good challenge with the editing, but also I thought that the scripting was really great and it made a lot of good points that I thought, you know, let's uh, let's do it today. And also, we were just talking about an anime that just came out. Uh, What was it again, Joey? Uh, It's called Kado, The Right Answer. 
Yeah, and it's about, like, aliens and stuff and very psychological. And you don't really see a lot of psychological anime nowadays. So I thought, you know, I wanted to kind of dive in on why that might be. Because with psychological anime, that usually comes with a lot of, like, you know, mind mind-numbing, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, definitely cerebral twisting. Hmm. is yeah. the best Cerebral way I can put it. Cerebral twisting anime. Well, you and usually, you know, when you go down that route, you have to you have to kind of step over the line of like censorship because you right. have to you really have to make people see the craziness of what's going on. And it's very hmm. hard to do that if you're censored and keeping things as family friendly as possible. And so we we should just uh, feel I don't let's talk about that. I mean, it also depends, like, when you say censoring as well. Like, it also completely depends on, like, what kind, right? Because, like, I'm assuming you mean, like, you know, psychological horror. Because that's usually where the censoring has to happen. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the case with, um, say, Kado, the right answer, which, I don't know, by the time this goes up, I might have released a video on it. If not, it's going to go up very soon. Um... But, like, what I found so brilliant about that anime is that it is psychological, but it's also very smart. Like, very dialogue-heavy, you know, it's basically about- it basically poses this question of, if an alien from a different dimension came to Earth and said, hey, I'm gonna give you this, like, otherworldly technology that will most likely advance humanity into the future- then how would humanity react to that? Mm-hmm. And the way that they do it is so brilliant because it's so realistic. Like, like how they react in the anime is how I think a, me, a, me and a lot of people would see, like, actual Earth reacting if it happened in real life. Mm-hmm. And it's just really interesting and it poses a lot of questions of, like, you know, like, how do you personally feel about, you know this alien technology if it ever existed so in that sense kado isn't exactly like psychological horror and it's able to do psychological anime really really well without the need of censoring anything but um that's really rare like how often do you hear especially you know in anime the last decade like how often do you hear of series that do it that well like honestly the last anime that did that for me was steins gate mm-hmm um, but, you know, that's, like, a, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of anime. But when you're talking about, like, you know, mm. psychologically in terms of, like, censoring, like, you mean, like, you know, uh, like, Perfect Blue and Paranoia Asian and, like, um, what else, like, anything Ito Junji-related, I assume? Uh, yeah, he's more horror, but he still plays with, you know, uh... Psychological. Cerebral twisting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I personally have not started on this anime yet, but, you know, it's nice to know that there is something still trying to keep that sort of a part of anime alive. Um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised, you know, that, uh, that it, it got by, but I'm guessing, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, how should I put it, like, explicitness put into it. It's more like really just making us, just making it psychological, but kind of leaving a lot of explicitness out, I suppose. Mm, kind mm. of like went in a circle there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but back then, uh, there was a lot of anime that weren't really limited to 
what they could display or show. Right. Um, right. and artists had the creative freedom to express exactly what they wanted. And this reasoning, uh, the reasoning for that of why they had so much freedom to show all this stuff, uh, compared to nowadays where a lot of it is like fan service, moe, blob, comedy stuff. Um, hmm. Not to necessarily say it's got, like, it got worse, but I could definitely say that the market has now really just demanded that and really just milked it out a mm-hmm. bunch. Um, because yeah. that's what Well, because they want. see it works over, like, a larger audience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it is, it does take a very specific anime fan to really dive deep into those psychological things. You really had to like anime, like, mm. really just like anime. Not just be like, I like One Piece, like... Yeah, or, you you know, know, just liking just the cutesiness of it. I mean, I like my cutesy girls, too. But, you know, also there's those psychological, like, just genres that are still very well respected. So back then, there was a lot more to it. But I guess you could say it was still a lot more underground. I mean, anime in general was still very much underground. And... I mean, yeah, it was definitely a lot more of a niche. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, anime didn't really make its way over to the quote-unquote West, as much as I hate using that word. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it did, like, you know, now. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, what was the... What was the anime that brought the concept of Japanese animations or this anime over to the West? Was it? Uh, I what, would. You, s- most people mm-hmm. say it was Ghibli after they won, after Spirited Away won the Academy Award. I I wouldn't say that because well, Ghibli didn't really want to display itself just like as anime. It's mm. more like part of the film industry. It's of animation, but I yeah, Ghibli kind of stands in like a weird crossroad of mm-hmm. like animation and anime, doesn't it? Yeah, like you can't really say, "Oh, my favorite anime is Spirited Away." I mean, it's definitely respected and adopted into that world very heavily. Yeah, of course. But it, it it's done in such a way where it's I guess it's one of those things where it's made by an anime studio strictly for films. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one thing. But I would say that it was probably during the golden age where, uh, more anime could be even, uh, what is it, broadcasted outside of Japan. Mm. Um, and even then, like, they broadcasted some, some hard stuff. Uh, they did Elfin Lead in the West. They showed that on television, but it had to be at night on Adult Swim. Right, um, but like, the thing is, like, with, you know, um, adult-oriented anime, you know, nowadays as well. Like, it's still played at midnight. Like, most of the shows that, you know, we all watch, you know, besides the mainstream stuff like One Piece and, you know, all of those shows, like, they usually played, at least in Japan, on TV in, like, the middle of the night still. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those shows, even though they air at, like, 2 or 3 in the morning, which is a time frame that most kids wouldn't be up, or even most adults wouldn't be up to watch it, they still censor it. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really hilarious if to think about it. Like, I just thought about this now, but isn't it so weird or coincidentally ironic that, ne- like, back then, anime was so limitless when it comes to how much violence or explicit imagery they could show 
whereas gaming was super censored. And now it's kind of the opposite. Like, anime is kind of toned down on the violence and explicit images, and yet gaming has gotten more and more violent over the years and can show mm-hmm. more and more explicitness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that... I don't know if they correlate to each other in any way, but I just thought it was kind of an interesting coincidence. Well, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go into that kind of mixing it in with where anime sort of was placing itself... Uh, into popularity. I mean, with Pokemon DBZ and Sailor Moon, those were the classics that now finally got aired somewhere and everyone got hooked. But mm. with the demographic, nobody really established anime was anime mm. uh, until probably that golden age where Naruto came in and Inuyasha came in uh, mm. and uh, One Piece came in. So um, a lot of these big names finally came like all over the US and I don't know if it how often it aired anywhere else but i mean they're worldwide famous now so Mm. but with anime back then it was very gory and so they didn't want to show it i'm pretty sure like the restrictions in the u.s especially at the time were pretty hardcore with that cartoon with cartoons showing gore because really Mm. there's not a lot of cartoons that will do it especially the same way that anime did it now again this is just all my theory so i can't really say But, uh, what I believe is, you know, when you're coming from a world and you see, cause somebody had to watch that first. Mm-hmm. When they saw that all, there was all this blood and guts, they said, man, the story is really awesome. We just can't really show blood because it's a cartoon. Like that's what, you know, the, probably mm-hmm. the producers were thinking. They, they weren't really so analytical with anime being like, oh, anime and cartoons are different and whatnot. Um, but, you know, even though they censored it, the the series itself, like the story, still shined very yeah, well. Yeah, of course. Um, it just kind of sucked with the censorship, and honestly, people didn't really even catch on that there was mm. a censorship thing going on. They did it in a way where you know people were already used to cartoons not even showing that stuff in the first place, so it wouldn't really matter if they censored it out anyway. Um, but it probably mattered to the really hardcore fans. So it's a mix of things of, uh. The censorship and anime finally coming in and yeah, um, as soon as I guess it got really popular, uh, people wanted more anime and what they saw, I would say maybe, let's see, Haruhi? Melancholy? I would yeah. probably say when, when the Moe thing really came out and with Lucky Star, with the whole cutesy and comedic vibe of the sense. It really hooked a lot of people in, which I still love those, Mm -hmm. but I think so many people did love it and the fan base was just rabid over it. Yeah, Uh, it was definitely like a... shot up. Yeah, it was definitely like a a second renaissance in terms of like Mm. anime. I mean, there's a reason why that era is called the golden age of anime. Yeah, it definitely uh, opened the door now for anime to finally have its placement for a good budget to be a successful industry. Right. Um, and now it's because, you know, business has now kind of, I don't want to say tainted, but in, in many ways it has. Well, it's uh, definitely changed. Yeah, yeah it's definitely better changed. better or worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all depends on you what you think of it. But because of the business and marketing and deba- demand, uh, now every anime you see, there's always just going to be that one character that just mm. markets the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
I guess with the whole idea of why shows like Fully Cooly, Elf and Lee, Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, Inuyasha, all of those series in the Golden Age that made it over to the West became genre-defying is because that was the only things that that the West was exposed to. Mm-hmm. Like, comparatively, if you look at it like from Japan, shows like Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo are way bigger in the West than they are mm-hmm. over here. Shows like Fully Cooly, Elf and Lead, way bigger in the West than they are over here in Japan. And I wonder why that is, too. Like, like why did they cho- choose those to take outside? I guess it's because they thought that these kinds of shows would appeal more to a foreign audience than a Japanese audience, perhaps. Um, that might be the case, because, like, I can't imagine them, like, immediately showing, you know... I, I can't imagine, like, say, Adult Swim showing an episode of Suzumiya Haruhi and people in the West immediately accepting what this is. Whereas in Japan, they had years and years of anime to kind of build up to the idea of Suzumiya Haruhi and shows, like, you know, the the light novel rena- renaissance shows mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, like, if we go, like, even, like, if we take, like, a history lesson, like, you know, if we go all the way back to, like, the 60s, for example, like, like, you know, our parents, like, my dad especially, uh, who, you know, was born and raised in Australia, he grew up watching shows like... Uh, Kimba the White Lion and Astro Boy and mm-hmm. Gigantor, which are all anime. But back then, this, uh, the idea of anime was so foreign that he just labeled it as a cartoon. Like, my dad didn't know that Astro Boy, Kimba the White Lion and Gigantor were from Japan until like 20 or 30 years later. Mm-hmm. He just saw it as cartoons. Mm-hmm. So, technically speaking, like, anime has always been over in the West from the beginning. It's not like the 90s or, like, you know, the Golden Age was the time that anime was first introduced Mm -hmm. to the West. But back then, just the idea of this being something that wasn't exactly a cartoon or wasn't exactly the same as, you know, know, a Looney Tunes, for example, didn't really exist. And so that's why it wasn't as genre-defying as shows from the light novel renaissance. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we've gone completely off topic. We went from talking about <laughs> we went from talking about why psychological horror anime from twenty years ago is more violent than today to when well, was anime first introduced to... in the West? <laughs> well, you know, we're we're trying to really like, pinpoint some timelines <laughs> on what the heck happened. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it, it's not. I mean, it's more like we are just diving deep into different parts of ti- of the timeline. Uh, yeah, we're because- pretty much giving everyone a history lesson on anime. If you look back to, like, when I started doing YouTube, which was four years ago, the biggest YouTube channel had, like, 200,000 subs. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, nobody knew anime as much as they do now. Mm-hmm. Like, the community has just exploded in the past five to ten years, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And the so, anime community on YouTube, still relatively small, is uh, continuously getting more noticed, I've realized. Right, um, right. We're, we're, there's a couple of us that are now starting to kind of place our foot on, a, on 
I guess in the world of like the other bigger YouTubers, because like the uh, the biggest ones on YouTube are gaming, uh, techno- uh, technology reviews, and makeup vlogs. Um, yeah, and vlogs. Those are like the four golden things that a lot of people tend to fall, uh, try to fall under. Mm. Um, and then you go into anime, and it's like. Well, back then, like, it seems like the only thing that anyone could really do was reviews. And Well, still- that's the thing, right? It's like the whole reviewing uh, aspect on YouTube is still very much a niche compared to everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, like, look at, like, music reviews or film reviews. Like, how many huge channels are there that follow that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of music reviews, like, the biggest channel is The Needle Drop, and he only just reached over a million subs. And mm. in terms of film reviews, like, we have, like, you know... Uh, screen junkies, for example, which mm-hmm. are again like not as big as like the huge YouTubers, like the vlogging and makeup and gaming YouTubers out there. Mm. So just the whole review community is so much smaller than everything else, but anime especially is so much smaller than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But, but it's slowly starting ha- to get embraced. Yeah, it's uh, the community has definitely gotten bigger, and it's uh, it also is a matter of like we. We tackled, and also, like, let's say, uh, with, uh, Gigguk, like, I guess we tackled anime in a way for not just, I guess, the niche people that saw a specific anime, but just to, like, I guess the general person who has an idea of what anime is and just happens to like it and may not be analytical about it. They just kind of want to see, oh, this person likes anime too. Mm -hmm. Let me go watch him. Let's see what they have, what they want to do. Right, and right. then you come on our channels, and then you're like, why did I even subscribe to this? <laughs> <laughs> Worst um, mistake of my yeah. life. So, all in all, I would say, yeah, anime, so much more different from back then. Well, okay, uh, let's let's go back to, like, the main question. Like, what would you say in the last, from 2010 to 2017, what do you say is the most, like violent or like the most like psychological horror based which kind of glimpses at like the limitless and like kind of censorshipless barrier from 20 years ago like i'm talking about like how violent we going because like you know well, i'm talking like- about like i'm talking about like you know higurashi levels of violence okay okay there we go so if we go in that direction because like higurashi was like a really messed up anime from right you know okay, back in so- the again the golden age Okay, so, what's the last anime I've seen in the past seven years? Which made you go like, oh man, that's violent. Right. Okay. When did Higurashi come out? Because that might be the last one. (laughs) Let me, let let me check right now. (laughs) I think actually, I think, I think it may have, it may be in that timeline, because I believe the sound novel, I think that came out in 20, 2009? Was it 2009? So. 2006. So it's dead smack in the middle of the golden age. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Tokyo Ghoul had its moments. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, no, no, no. Tokyo Ghoul very much so. Though the censorship was very high on that. The mm-hmm. concept of it, though, is pretty gruesome. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, so there's that one. Um, Attack on Titan to some extent. It's a. It's still pretty violent. You know, it's so sad to see that there is so much less anime that kind of falls under the same genre bubble as shows like, you know, Akira, Perfect Blue, um, Helsing Ultimate, like shows like that, you know. 
mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, Higurashi, like where they weren't really afraid to alienate mm. like newcomers to anime. I'd still say with Tokyo Ghoul, uh, it's carried on something pretty special in that kind of uh, in, in that kind of world. It's just oh, a little yeah, bit yeah. more mo- uh, modernized, but you know, really great story. Uh, very gruesome things that happen to just a normal ad, uh, a normal kid, mm. um, and it continues to just grow even or spiral down even further for this character. Um, mm. and, you know, very similar tropes that were from back then. Uh, mm. if you don't think so, then you have, you probably really got attached to those older ones and you put it on the, pretty much the pedestal of this critically acclaimed standard that you have for it at, to the point that the only anime that can ever reach that level are those anime alone and nothing yeah. else. I'm but thinking I'd as well, like, Parasite might not even count since it's a manga no. series from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, well, with the anime, even then, it's, uh, it was violent, but to be honest, I, I didn't see as, as much violence. Like, it wasn't like Elf and Lee levels of violence. No. It's more like, cause it's more like fights, really, uh, that yeah. need to happen. It's not for the sense of gore. If anything, it was just a very sci-fi. Yeah, 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 um, I can see that. So I wouldn't say that. So, my answer again, Tokyo Ghoul. It really mm. played a lot with torture and, uh, and horror. Yeah, that's, and- that's true, actually. The Jason scenes were pretty brutal. Mm. Of course, yes. That torture mm. scene was just insane. And then carrying on, uh, just to the manga, uh, to the manga series, it gets even worse from what I've seen in there. And, um, mm. yeah, so I would say that that was the last one. Tokyo Ghoul is successful because it's easy enough for anybody to understand. Mm. Uh, and it finally gets to put some gruesome scenes in there, which is why people were still kind of eh when it had the censorship. Cause it's like, oh man, you finally made something this harsh. And yet you choose to, still censor it but yeah. the implications still are phenomenal and mm. it's it's something that we thought was almost lost for mm. a bit um so I, I think tokyo ghoul kind of met the best of both worlds when right, it came right. to uh reaching out to a bigger audience so that everybody could follow along easily and build itself upon a character and making him spiral down even further and keeping you wanting to just follow him again through this crazy journey and mm-hmm. getting you some pretty cool torture scenes in between. Mm. What, what what do you think with Tokyo Gold? Do you, uh, are you a fan of it? I mean, I'm not going to say I'd be lying if I said I hated it because I honestly don't. I thought it was completely fine. Like I I mean, sure, like, you know, I-, I can look at it in a critical eye and say, like, oh, the way they ended season- the-, the endings for both seasons were pretty weak, um, and, you know, like, it's not the most perfect anime, but I still enjoyed both seasons, like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna deny, and, you know, I've read a little bit past, uh, in the manga as well, and it's very compelling, it's very adult, it's something that you wouldn't think is a series that would become so critically and commercially successful among not just an adult fan base, but also of a more younger fan base as well, because a lot of young, a lot of the younger audiences in the anime community I see also praise the series, and, mm. you know, especially in the West, became pretty freaking big. Mm. 
So it's it's very rare, especially nowadays, to see shows like that, and I'm totally not against shows like that at all. Yeah. Oh, and uh, also ReZero sort of played a little bit. ReZero played that a little bit as well, but I kind of use ReZero in... ReZero is a kind of a special, like, uh, exclusion to that, because, like, it didn't so much play... It didn't so much, like, uh... How am I, how am I gonna say this? It didn't so much, like, oppose the tropes of anime and the way that the anime scene was going, but rather it opposed the tropes of the way the light novel industry was going. Because the li- after the light novel re- renaissance happened in the Golden Age, and then we started to see a lot more of these, like, really empty, like, you know, harem romance school comedies with, you know, like, lots of fan service and obviously appealing to the more, like, you know, prepubescent, like, young adult audience and stuff like that with, like, dare I say, little to no, like, substance to it. Re- shows like ReZero came out and kind of said, screw it, I'm gonna get... I'm going to try and alienate a bunch of this audience that mm. is looking for the more tamer kind of moe genre. And I'm not saying that every light novel reader falls under that stereotype, but it's a fact that a larger audience does, and that's probably the main reason why we've seen so many of those adapted into anime. Mm. Whereas ReZero came along and kind of showed us how gory and screwed up and psychological an anime series can be while also maintaining that light novel trope mm-hmm. as well. And there are a lot of light novel series out there that follow that same kind of like state as ReZero. Like mm-hmm. a really good example is a light novel series called Utsuro no Hakuto Zero no Maria, which is I think one of the top rated light novel series on my anime list. And I've read the first couple of volumes of it, and that is a phenomenal light novel series. The problem is... Uh, English would be... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what it is in English. Um, you probably have to look that up. But... Yeah, go type that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll type it in right now. But, um... (laughs) It's, uh, it's a light novel series that, again, is, like, very different it kind of has the same when i read it it kind of had the same soul as uh suzumi Haruki did mm-hmm. um you know like time travel you know very re-zero-esque as well uh the empty box and the xeroth maria is the name in english uh i recommend that is a very good light novel series but i don't see that light novel getting adapted into an anime anytime soon mm-hmm. just because it's so experimental and so psychological that I feel that if they ad- adapted that into an anime, especially nowadays, it would alienate so many people. Mm. And it'd be one of those series that, yes, people who watched it will praise as being unique, you know, very much in the same way that people see Cutter the Right Answer nowadays, or, you know, this season. Like, nobody's talking about it, but the people who watch it all say that it's phenomenal. Mm. But it's so rare to see series like that nowadays. And I feel that uh, Utsuro no Hako and Tozero no Maria is one of those light novel series. But ReZero somehow managed to successfully do that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting how they did that. And I, I'm not going to lie, I freaking love ReZero. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Mm. Like, I thought ReZero was fantastic. I Again, gave not, it like a 9, dude. I get, yeah, I gave it like a solid 8. Not perfect, but... Definitely better than a lot. Like, 
it, it was up there for me as the best anime of 2016 next to Mob Psycho 100. So... That silence, I was like... That, yeah, like, I don't know if you were, like, silently agreeing or, like, you were prepared to be like, um, no. Hey, look, okay, to be fair, I'm sorry, I'm gonna trail off a little bit here. Uh, Dating you, I realized, like, I tried to just, I get accustomed to the pattern of your, um, debates. So, sometimes I, my anticipations often don't work. So that was one of them. (laughs) Well, what do you mean? Oh, I was basically saying I was quiet because I didn't know if you were going to continue or if I was supposed <laughs> to say something. Usually I can figure out when I'm supposed to talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Anyways, you can, I mean, if I'm talking too much, you can just cut me off. I'm uh, used no, to that. It's, it's fine. I'm, I'm looking at the waves right now. It looks like I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much like our opinions on the whole is psychological horror anime slowly disappearing from modern anime. I guess we can, no, I guess we can call it that. Well, well, how, how should we call it? What happened? What? <laughs> just, just what happened? No content. Just what, what the hell happened? Yeah. Like, okay. To the one editing this. Anime colon what happened? What the hell, what the hell happened? Yeah. What yeah, they, the hell happened? Yeah. Because uh, I, yeah, I guess that's a better answer since we didn't really talk about just psychological horror anime. We kind of talked we about everything. We tend to just trail off, but you know, it's fine. It's pretty much a brief history of what the hell happened to anime. <laughs> there you go. That's a good Let's title. Let's never make a book together because that thing's going to go on forever and yeah. it'll be so many sidetracks. Yeah. I pretty much like in the 45 minutes or however long this podcast is, we pretty much gave a synopsis, like a brief synopsis of what kind of book I would write if I had the time to write a book. But the book will be called If I Had the Time to Write a Book. Yeah, no, it'd just be called Anime, What the Hell Happened. No, no, no. Actually <laughs> I might even write that. Like a book by Aki Dearest. What I would uh, do if I had the time to write a book. Yeah, there you go, that's perfect. <laughs> that actually like, would be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then I can write a brief history of what the hell happened to anime. There you go, buy our future books that we may or may not write. Yeah, it'll be in the <laughs> description below ten years later. Yeah, t- t- come back to this podcast ten years later and you'll see it. But anyways, guys, let us know what you guys think about anything we said in this podcast. I know there was a lot of information to unpack uh, this episode, but um, yeah, anything at all. Uh, let us know. Probably the easiest way to do it is, as always, over on Twitter using our specialized hashtag. What was it again, Aki? SBS anime thank you for the very centralized answer to that but yeah as Aki said sbs anime hashtag sbs anime over on twitter let us know what your thoughts are on anything we discussed this episode and hey as i mentioned at the intro to this episode we're giving away a weekend double pass to melbourne oz comic-con set to blast off from july the first to july the second that's right so this is mostly aimed for those of you living in australia uh preferably in melbourne i mean you can you know fly over from brisbane or Uh, sydney or wherever queensland or cairns oh yeah 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 (laughs) yeah aki where is melbourne which state is melbourne in australia has states yeah we have seven states uh, uh, where <laughs> I'm, I'm, the I'm reef? Doing, that's Queensland. The blue. I'll give you a clue. Melbourne Bo- is south of Sydney. What's Melbourne in? Bougainville. 
<laughs> wow, you just offended all the people living in Melbourne. <laughs> I don't... I'm thinking you just back called to- everyone. You just called everyone living in Melbourne a bogan. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't even know where what Melbourne is. <laughs> but in any case... Boganville. <laughs> in, it's, it's Victoria. <laughs> Close enough. No, it's not. I'm sorry, people living in Melbourne. I love you. Melbourne's like my favorite city. Anyway, we're giving away a weekend double pass to Melbourne Oz Comic Con, uh, set to blast off from July the 1st to July the 2nd. As always, there's never before screened in Australia anime shows to watch at Anime Station, as well as a ton of manga to check out and read with your fellow anime fanatics. All you need to do is just go to sbs.com.au slash the anime show. That's sbs.com.au slash the anime show and enter the code word Comic Con. That's C-O-M-I-C-C-O-N for your chance to win. So good chance and luck, everybody. But in any case, that's the end of this week's episode. Thank you very much for sticking around and enjoying us talk and offend people living in Victoria. <laughs> because Aki's just really good at that and she's eating a goddamn sandwich as I say this. <laughs> It's I'm like hungry. she's so silent. <laughs> I'm hungry too, but I'm being professional. I'm waiting till this podcast is over. But, uh, yeah, guys, if you don't know who uh, either of us are, I'm Joey the Anime Man. My partner is Aki, or Aki Dearest. We both have a YouTube channel where we talk about anime and otaku culture. We also have a Twitter, at the Anime Man and at Aki Dearest. So go follow us there and stalk us. Um, and, yeah, thank you very much for listening in to this week's podcast. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.